Good morning again. If, uh, I hope you have your Bibles with you today. And if you do, uh, turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. I want to share with you a message today entitled, Helping People Come to Jesus. Helping People Come to Jesus. The news had spread of a miracle-working teacher and that he had come to Capernaum. And wherever Jesus went, at this point in his ministry, there were great crowds following him. The interesting thing is, is that they really were not following him because they believed in him. They were really not following him because they were looking for salvation or they were looking for forgiveness. They wanted to see the miracles. They had heard about the things that Jesus had done Uh, Blind people seeing, deaf people hearing, lame people standing up and walking, leprous men being healed and made whole again. And they wanted to witness that. They wanted to see those things happening. And so as they came for the show, as they came to watch and to see the miracles that were being performed, Jesus knew that there was a point in which He had to to begin to help them to more clearly see and understand what His ministry was all about. That it wasn't just about the miracles. It wasn't about the healings and the restoration. It wasn't about the wholeness that He was bringing to the physical body. That His ministry was about the wholeness that He had to offer to the spiritual body. About forgiveness, about salvation... Uh, about all that He was bringing to them. If these crowds had been coming because they trusted Jesus, because they believed in Jesus, and they wanted to receive the salvation and forgiveness that He offered, they certainly would be a great encouragement to Him. But they weren't. And they weren't a great encouragement because they came from the wrong motivation. They came with a wrong heart. And we know that as we read in this passage of Scripture, there were even some of the religious leaders who had come to to this time of teaching. And as they had come to this time of teaching, they were skeptical. Uh, They were trying to see what they could find out about Jesus to disprove who He said He was and the things that He was doing. And so as we look at those things, we, we see that there was a crowd of people. Yeah, there was a great, great crowd of people, but... But that crowd of people was not an encouragement to Jesus. They, they were not people that there that built him up or, or lifted him up or encouraged him in his ministry. In fact, some of them were there to, to tear down and destroy his ministry. And so in this section of the gospel, Jesus makes it clear that he came to bring to all who would trust him three wonderful gifts. He came to bring them the gifts of forgiveness of fulfillment, and of freedom. And so this morning, for a few moments, I want us to look at the first of those gifts, and that is the gift of forgiveness. So in Mark, the second chapter, as we begin to delve into this situation, Jesus has been about ministering. He's been about doing some great things. He's gone into the wilderness to pray, to allow the Father to strengthen him, to draw encouragement from him. Why? Because he wasn't getting encouragement from the crowd. They were there for the wrong motivation, the wrong reasons. 
And so he'd been in the wilderness, and he had gained strength from the Father. And the Scripture says that he returned to Capernaum. They heard that he was, what does it say, home. He was home. So we really don't know, as we read this passage, whether this event took place in his home or in Peter's home. It certainly could have been his home because he was home, or or in Peter's home. But there are events that begin to unfold in this chapter that can teach us some powerful, powerful lessons about forgiveness. Let's read together. And when he had come back to Capernaum, several days after it, it was heard that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof from above him. And when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, My son, your sins are forgiven. But there were some of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, aware of this, his spirit, in, in his spirit, that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, Why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Arise and take up your pallet and walk. But in order that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, take up your pallet, and go home. And he arose and immediately took up the pallet and went out in the sight of all, so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. What an amazing event. What an incredible encounter with Jesus. Here's what I want you to understand this morning. You and I are either compelling or repelling people. We are either compelling them to come to Jesus or we are repelling them away from Jesus by our actions and our words and the way that we live our life. We're doing one or the other. Either we are compelling them by the way that we live, the things that we say, the actions of our life, we are compelling people to come and follow Jesus. Or else, with that same way that we live and words that we say and actions of our life, we're repelling them away. They look at us and say, boy, if that's what Christianity is about, I don't want anything to do with it. Our responsibility is to make the gospel attractive to others so that they are drawn to the message of Jesus. The call of every disciple is first to follow Jesus second to be fishers of men you and I have been saved for a purpose we have been created in Christ Jesus to do good works and that's what he's called us to he's called us to compel people in a positive way to come 
and to meet Jesus. And, and when they come and meet Jesus, they come and experience His forgiveness, His grace, His mercy, and the salvation that He offers. So there are three things that I want to see about that forgiveness this morning. The first is this, is His expected disruption. It seemed everywhere that Jesus went, there was some type of disruption. Anytime there is disruption, it draws attention. Think about the stories of the ministry of Jesus, places that he went, that, that there were crowds that were gathering, places that he went, that the religious leaders were opposed to him. Everywhere that he went, everything that he did in his ministry, it seemed that there was some type of disruption to life. People who were lame were made to walk. People who were blind were made to... And, and life was disrupted. And people were like, what in the world is going on? And so the multitudes were gathering and they wanted to see the miracles. They wanted to see the things that, were, that Jesus was doing. And, and the fact is that he wanted them to understand something greater than just a physical miracle. He wanted to understand them, for them to understand something that was was more powerful than just a miracle. Not just a crowd that had gathered for the show, not just a crowd to see what was going on and be a part of the activity and the disruption of life, but he wanted them to go deeper. He wanted them to see more in relationship to the ministry and why he had come and what he was prepared to do for them. And so people would come and they wanted to see the miracles, but when they heard the message, remember what it said in the text, he was preaching the word to them, teaching the word to them. He was delivering the message, but a lot of them weren't hearing the message. A lot of them were, were sitting back and they'd come to see the miracle and they were going, boy, boy, so, somebody here really needs to hear that. It's not me, but somebody does. Boy, these people better listen up and take note. He's, he's telling them something today. Does that sound familiar? Maybe sometimes in our own life we sit and we listen, whether it be a Sunday school lesson or, or a sermon or, or a teaching, whatever it might be, and we think, oh boy, they need to listen. That, that, that's important, for, but it's not about us. Oh, oh no, they're, they're not talking about me. Oh, oh that's, that's not my life. I, I don't need to apply that to, to where I'm at. And that's where these people were. They were coming to see the miracles. They were coming to, to see the things that were going on. But the message, they were not applying to their lives. The message, they, they weren't taking to heart. The message, they weren't saying, this is about me. This has something to do with my life and, and where I'm headed and, and what's going on. And, and so the multitude, the message that Jesus was preaching, the disruption of the message that, that it was something different than they had heard before, it was something that was, was uh, counterproductive to the religious circles of the day. That he was preaching a message of grace and forgiveness and love and mercy. It didn't have anything to do with the rules. It didn't have anything to do with the, the laws. It didn't have to, to do with, with keeping some strict code of conduct. That's what they had pushed. That's what they had taught. That's what they had believed. That's what the religious leaders of the day were emphasizing for people. Here's a list of the things that you can do and you can't do. Here's a list of the right and the wrong. And you better get in line and you better do what you're supposed to do. And Jesus came and said, listen, it doesn't have anything to do with that stuff. It has to do with the relationship with God. It has to do with grace and mercy and forgiveness and love and kindness and understanding. And they didn't like that. 
they didn't want to hear that message because that message went against what they believed in, what they had taught, and what they had stood for. And it disrupted their religious flow. It disrupted the minds and the thoughts of people as they heard a different message that was being preached, a, a message that simply said, if you'll trust me and you'll follow me, I'll take care of everything in your life and make it right the way that it needs to be in relationship to the Father. And then finally in the message today, we find the main. We find the multitude, and we find the message, and we find the main to those that, that are in need of healing, those that are in need of being made whole, that, that they need to restored from the hurt. I'm sure in the crowd that day that there were other people who had come because they had heard of the miracles and they needed a miracle themselves. I'm sure that there were people that day that were there that were hurting, needed to be restored, they needed help. People that were, were struggling physically, they had some ailment, some pain, something they were suffering from. Maybe they were blind, maybe they were deaf, maybe they were mute. Maybe there were other things that were taking place. I'm sure there were others there that day. But the focus of this text, the focus of this text is about one guy. One guy who, who was there and couldn't get there by himself because he was lame. One guy who was paralyzed. And evidently there were many people who thought that this paralysis that he was experiencing was because of sin in his life. It's possible. could be true. Sin does affect us in a way that there could be some physical ailment or some sickness or, or some difficulty that we're facing because of the sin in our life, but that's not always true. Remember the story that we find in the gospel also about the paralytic and, and they asked the question directly to Jesus, well, who, who sinned? Was it his parents or him that he's lame? You remember Jesus' response? He said, neither his parents nor him have sinned. It's not about their sin. See, sometimes there are physical ailments in our life. There are things that we're dealing with in our life that, that are not directly tied to our sin. Sometimes it is. But in this case, there's a man who, who could not come to Jesus on his own because he was paralyzed. There was this great crowd that had gathered. And even with the help of his friends, there was a challenge to get him to Jesus. And so we see this guy, and we see that he has a need, and we see that there's a struggle, and we understand that, that there was a need for healing. Brings us to the second thing that I want us to see today, and that's an eager determination. Here's a guy who was paralyzed, and he had four friends that were deeply concerned about his life. I wonder, let's stop for just a moment today and ask yourself the question who is it in your life that you are deeply concerned about their life who is it that every morning when you get up they're on your mind because you're concerned about their life who is it that you go through your day hopefully there's more than one but but who is it as you go through your day that your thought often turns to them because you're concerned about their life? Who is it when you get ready to lay down at night that one of the things that you last think about is that person or these people because you're concerned about their life? Not, not their physical life. Their spiritual life. There is a 
deep concern that these guys have. And it plays out in this story. They go and get their friend who could not come to Jesus. And they bring him to Jesus. They are concerned about his condition and his need and his well-being. And they take action to do something about it. Who is it that you're concerned about that you're willing to do something about it? Who is it that's on your heart and on your mind and their relationship with the Lord and where they are in life that you're concerned enough that it motivates you to do something about their life, their condition, and where they are? Or do we just go on through life living and doing things the way that we do every day and yes, we think about them and yes, we pray about them We don't take any action. We don't reach out in any way to try to help them to come to Jesus. These guys were so concerned, they took action. And the action led them to pick up their friend and bring him to Jesus. And when they got there, there were all of these obstacles. There were all of these these barriers. There were all of these problems. Sound familiar? Ever tried to to bring someone, to lead someone to Jesus, to help them to come to know Him? There seems to always be some barrier. There seems to be always some some conflict or some problem or some issue or or something, the obstacle that gets in the way. If we're trying to help someone. But listen, they didn't give up. They were creative. They wanted him to be in the presence of Jesus because they believed that Jesus could make a difference in his life. Do you believe that people can make a difference, that Jesus can make a difference in people's lives? How concerned are we? How creative are we at saying, I'm going to figure out a way to get them into the presence of Jesus? I'm going to do something to bring them to the presence of Jesus so that they have a chance for him to make a difference in their life. They couldn't get in because of the crowd. They didn't say, hey, man, sorry. You know, we brought you all this way, but listen, maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day. We'll try again later. The Scripture says they lugged him down. Most homes in that day had stairs outside that led to a flat roof on top. It was a place that was often cool in the evenings, and they would go there to catch what little breeze there was or whatever the case may be. They found themselves on top of the roof, and they began to dig a hole. Pretty creative, right? These four guys. I mean, they were so concerned about getting their friend in the presence of Jesus so he could make a difference in his life, they didn't give up. They found themselves on the roof digging a hole. Imagine what that must have been like from the inside of the home. Jesus is in here teaching. There are religious leaders that are gathered around. There's a crowd pressing in. You can't get in the door. You can't get in any way. There's so many people. And all of a sudden, up above, you hear this... You start hearing this noise. All of a sudden, guess what's going to happen? If someone starts digging from above, if someone starts moving things from above, things start to fall. All of a sudden, this is taking place and things are going on. And the next thing you know, here comes this guy on a pallet and his four friends are letting him down right in the presence of Jesus. They became creative. They didn't give up. They, they didn't surrender. They didn't, didn't shrink back. They, they didn't go, oh, well, well, we tried. That's the best that we could do. They had certainty. They knew for sure in their hearts that if they could get their friend to Jesus, he could make a difference in their lives. And you know what? When they let him down in the presence of Jesus, the Scripture says, Jesus seeing their 
they demonstrated by their actions, not only to everyone that was there, not only to their friend who was on the pallet, but to Jesus himself, that they had faith and certainty that they believed that Jesus could make a difference in his life. And so they let him down. And he's in the presence of Jesus. And that brings us to the third and final thing this morning. And that is the effectual demonstration. God's forgiveness. God looks at this man and he looks at his friends and their faith and he looks around all these people and he said, hey, listen, your sins are forgiven. Jesus wasn't concerned about his, his legs that didn't work. Jesus wasn't worried about that. There was something that was more important and the most important thing was not his physical condition. It was his spiritual condition. The most important thing, the most significant thing Jesus saw was his need for forgiveness. Sometimes we get so caught up in the physical things about people, we forget about the spiritual needs of their life. What are we doing to help people to come to know Jesus and his salvation and his forgiveness? How concerned are we about the lost that are around us every day? Jesus saw that the greatest need that he had was for forgiveness. And so he offers him forgiveness. Your sins are forgiven. And immediately what happened? <laughs> People started to think, well, who does this guy think he is? Forgiven sins. Well, God can do that. That's blasphemy. He's saying that he's equal to God. Why in the world? Plus, plus this. Who can prove? Who can prove if sins have been forgiven or not? It's easy to say that. Yeah, your sins are forgiven. Let's see something. Let's see something, some miracle, some miraculous thing that proves that you have some kind of power. Jesus knew his heart, his, his, his inner being, sensed their thought process. And he just responds to them. That's a miracle in itself, isn't it? He knew exactly what they were thinking. He knew exactly where their hearts were. And he responds to that and he says, Oh, why are you thinking like this? Why is your mind this way? Why are you going there with your thoughts? This man needs forgiveness and I'm offering it to him. But he said, So that you may know for certain that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, stand up and take your pallet and go home. And he stood up and he took his pallet. And can you just imagine what that room must have been like when this guy stood up? Remember, it was a crowd. You couldn't get in the door. There's no way in. And the scripture says he, he walked out, right? Imagine the people just going, whoa. <laughs> and everybody starts backing up. Everybody starts making some room. He picks up his pallet. This pallet isn't just some little blankets or something. It's something his four friends carried him around on. He picks it up. He begins to just walk out the door and the sea parts and out walks a miracle of Jesus. But the most important thing isn't that he could stand up and walk on his legs. The most important thing is that he had received the forgiveness of God for the sins in his life. We need to be a people. If we're going to move forward in this world in which we live, and it seems to be darker and darker every day. We need to be a people who care enough to help people to meet their needs, not just their physical needs, but to meet their spiritual needs. We need to care enough that we bring them to church 
to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ so that He might make a difference in their life. I want to challenge you today, this moment, starting now, to begin to think about someone or multiple someones who you really genuinely are concerned about their spiritual well-being. I want you to begin today and every day praying for them and asking God, God, how can you use me to bring them to you? And become creative. Don't just go, well, I've prayed for them. Well, I've thought about it. Well, I've asked the Lord to help them. What can I do? God, show me how I can be. Hey, tell me, God, is there, a, is there a roof that I need to start tearing apart? In order to bring them to you, whatever that roof is, show me what it is. Let me begin with my hands to dig it and tear it and pull it apart so that I can bring them to know you and your salvation and your love challenge you this morning that as a church and as individuals today is a day that we draw a line in the sand and we say we are going to start being more concerned about lost people and we're going to take action to do something about bringing them to know Jesus this morning we're going to sing an invitation hymn and the invitation is really this today for us to make changes in our hearts and in our lives about how important it is for us to bring people to know Jesus. We can't save them.